thinking uh, what a beautiful uh, a unique and special time it is to take this hour every sunday to to remember the lord and uh, you know when we come uh, and this is something that's unique i think uh, of the uh, of the assemblies that we meet every week at least we take one hour every week to do nothing else but remember the lord and i was thinking about everything from ben's uh, from the very first song to ben's uh, opening thought to the prayers to everything that was shared and you know uh, we, we don't come here to talk about ourselves we don't come here to thank the lord for what he has done for us during the week we don't come here to talk about you know thanking him for the good health certainly we are all very thankful for all those things and we should be but we don't thank him we're not here to thank him for his for the job he might have given us or the healing that he brought to us or any of those things but we are here to just do one thing and that is focus on the person and the work of the lord jesus christ and and this is uh, very much linked to what i want to talk about here uh, of the of of how important that is you know because in our lives what happens is we tend to lose sight of the fact that the christian life is about a person the christian life is not about me it is not about uh, what's in it for me it's not uh, like a bargain i mean you think about the other religions you know why do uh, certainly there are devout people in every religion okay if you look at uh, you know muslims they're probably more devout than us you look at hindus uh, you know i remember some of the neighbors in my old neighborhood where you know we were, we had those villas and we could see how people would be coming out every morning and they would very devotedly you know the the person who lived across the street from me a very very well known executive of a very big it company uh, you know he would come out every morning he would go and pluck all these leaves from the tree and it took me a while to figure out what it was but he was doing this every day to go and do his puja and he did it there wasn't a day that he missed you know uh, his wife did it uh, and these people are very devout and and when you look at why do they do that um it's 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 very simple you know they do that because they believe that by doing that they're going to get a certain thing they're going to get something whether it's a blessing whether it's wealth whether it's health whether it's prosperity uh, that's the essence of the religion there okay but and uh, but when we look at at following christ um it's not about that and that's really what i want to talk about this morning is uh, you know if i was going to title this uh, this um, this message i would say you know uh, i would i would title it this way is why are you or why am i following jesus okay why am i and why are you following jesus the king why am i following the king am i following him for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons uh and i want to use as the basis for this uh, lesson john chapter 6 so if you can turn your bible there we'll we'll go through there go through a few verses there in a minute uh but uh, but let me just set the stage with some uh some contextual questions that i want you to think about okay as you as you hear this message and as we go through it uh and uh, the first one is you know what is the dream of your life okay what is the purpose of your life all of us all of you who are listening to me most of you uh, i i would assume our believers in christ you've trusted in christ you um want to follow him you want to walk with him you know but what is the purpose of your doing that okay why are you living your life uh you know uh, what is the uh, if you look at your life and uh, 
um, you know, if, if I say, what is the dream of your life? If I ask you a question, what is the dream of your life? Okay, what would you write down? If I asked you to complete the sentence, okay, a sentence that starts with the words, if only, if I could, or sorry, if I could just have blank, blank, blank. Okay, if I could just have blank, 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 uh, how would you com- com- complete that sentence? If, if, if I gave you a sentence that says, if God could just give me question mark, then I would be happy. What would that be? Now, I'm sure all of you will have different answers. If you're a single, maybe you'll say, if, if only God could give me a good husband or a good wife or a good spouse. Um, maybe if you're already married, you'll say, if only God could give me a submissive wife who, um, you know, or, or a better looking wife, maybe. Um, if you're a parent, maybe you'll say, if only God could give me more obedient children, um, you know, then I would be happy. Uh, or maybe you would complete that sentence with, if only uh, I could have a better job, if only I could have more money, if only I could have less stress. You know, and we're going through a, a very stressful time all over the world. We are, we are, we are here. We are eight months into this, this pandemic that um, none of us ever imagined. And, and maybe some of us are, are getting frustrated, you know, even with God. Well, why is God allowing this? Why, why can't he just, I mean, you know, we say God is all powerful and he is. And, and certainly by the word of his mouth, he could eradicate this, this pandemic. Why doesn't he do that? You know, why, 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 why doesn't he do that so that we can get back together so that I can fellowship with my brothers and sisters so that I can give them a hug so that I can shake their hands. You know, why, why does he allow some of us to, to in our families to, to, to catch this disease? Why is he not protecting us from this disease? Didn't he say that he's given his angels to guard over us? Why, why is he not doing any of this? And as we go into the message today, I want us to ask ourselves this question, you know, ask yourself this question, you know, what kind of a Messiah do you want Jesus to be in your life? Okay, what are your expectations of Jesus? Why are you following Jesus? Is it because you have some expectations of him? And what are those expectations? And I want to go through John 6. And um, uh, if you can just turn there, we're not going to go through the entire chapter. We'll just pick a a few sections here, but, um, but I just want to set the context. So we know Jesus was born. He grew up, you know, for about 30 years. Uh, he, was, he was at home. And then at the age of 30, he comes out to ministry and he gets baptized. You know, that was the first sort of public act. And, and, and he starts doing these little miracles and he goes around. He starts teaching them, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, all of these things. And, and he comes into the society where the people are really oppressed. Okay, the Jewish people were oppressed by the Romans. They were they were under the bondage and the slavery uh, of the Romans. They were they were looking, and of course they 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 were thinking back to all the promises that were made of of how God promised that He would send a Messiah. Right? This this even today Jews are waiting for their Messiah because they don't acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. But but here comes this man, this man, and and he was just an ordinary man, a carpenter's son. Uh, and and you, you you know as you read the gospels you can see you know how they say you know who is this man you know for he he doesn't talk like a carpenter's son he talks like 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 a learned person he was there debating with the rabbis and and opening up the scriptures and all of these things and then as he continues in his ministry um you know he starts doing these miracles 
right? He starts doing these miracles and the people start thronging to him and they're, they're, they're just following him and they want a piece of him and there were thousands of people gathering to hear him. And here when we come to John chapter 6 is sort of the high point of Jesus' life, okay? And Jesus is almost like, I mean, he would be like a popular, uh, like any popular uh, political leader today. Okay, he, he's, he's, he's going around, he's speaking, he's making speeches, and there are people, just thousands and thousands of people gathering. And, and we see here, he, he, the, the, right before this passage, I want to read from verse 14, but, but in this um, chapter, it, it, uh, it starts off talking about one of the greatest miracles that Jesus ever did, which was the feeding of the 5,000, right? So he feeds these 5,000 people with, uh, uh, with almost nothing, right? With, uh, with the two... Uh, bread and the fish that this little boy has brought and um, and and the people are just amazed and when you think about it you know here he's giving food to the people and it's like wow you know here is a guy not only is he wise not only is he a great teacher um, you know he could look not only is he popular but he's able to give us food this is the most fundamental need of every human being every body you know you need food to grow right food to to survive and and he's fed these things and uh, and then we uh, let's just read a few verses here, and I just want to want to go through this. Uh, verse fourteen of John six it says, "Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, what sign? That is, this is the sign of uh, him feeding the five thousand. Uh, they said, this is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. This is truly the prophet. And if you want to understand who the prophet is, it's not." a prophet. It's not Isaiah the prophet or Malachi the prophet, but it is the prophet and the prophet is talked about. I'm not going to go there, uh, but you can look it up. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verse 15. It talks about the prophet that, that God is going to send. And this was, this was um, uh, generally understood in the Jewish culture as, a, uh, as, uh, as sort of a foretelling of the, of the coming Messiah. Right, he he was the prophet who is to come. They were they were waiting for this prophet to come, and they're like, "Wow, I mean, look at this guy. He's he's wise. He's making these these uh, talking about these things, you know, that uh, that are just so profound. He's popular, and not only that, he's feeding us. Okay, he just fed five thousand people without. I mean, we know how difficult it is to to feed a hundred people, right? I mean. Um, you know, Philip, Philip has done that a few times, um, you know, and, and here he just takes two bread and I mean, fishes and feeds 5,000 people. They're like, wow, what else do we need? He must be the Messiah, right? He must be the Messiah. And then what happened? It says here in verse 15, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king. Okay. Now here we are the people there. They're like, uh, all over this man, okay, all over him. They're like, wow, let's make him the king. Let's, let's crown him the king. He's the Messiah. He's the prophet. Okay, he's going to give us everything we want. He's going to give us food. He's going to free us from the Romans. He's going to, uh, he's going to free us from slavery. And he can feed us. You know, we won't hunger anymore. Let's make him the king. And Jesus perceived that this is what. So, so Jesus here is at the very height of his popularity. And what does he do? At the height of his popularity, he departed again to the mountains by himself alone. Jesus goes away from there. Okay, and, and we'll see why in a, in, a, in, a, in a minute here. Okay, and he, then he goes, goes off and then he, he comes back. Um, you know, the disciples go in the boat and uh, they're, they're sailing towards Capernaum. And, uh, and then we come to verse 22 on the following day. And what happened on the following day? The people were busy. They're like, where is this? Where is this man? Let's make him the king. 
right? Where is this man? Where is this Jesus? So when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat, and then they go on and I want to just skip ahead a little bit. They, uh, uh, you know, go to the last part of verse, yeah, go to verse 24. It says, when the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So here there, somebody's spread the word saying, oh, I saw him. He's in Capernaum. Okay, so they all get in their boats and they show up, uh, you know, across the lake into Capernaum. And what are they doing? They're seeking Jesus. Okay, they want him. They want this Jesus with Jesus, the one who just fed 5,000 of them with nothing. And when they found him on the other side uh, of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? And, and, and let's pay attention here to what Jesus says. Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me. Not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves that were and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. Jesus says, hold on, you know, wait a minute. I know why you're coming after me. Okay, you're not coming after me because of the sign. Now, what is a sign? A sign is something that, uh, uh, that, that points to something else, right? When you see a sign that says, you know, um, I don't know, Hennur, right? Uh, since many of us live there, okay, we, we know that it's telling us that I'm headed in that it's not, I don't just stop at the sign and say, hey, I'm in Hennur, right? If I see a sign in Lingraj Puram that says Hennur, go that way. I don't stop there and say, oh, I'm in Hennur, right? I, I follow the sign and I get to my destination. And Jesus is saying, you know what? Uh, you saw the sign, right? And, and yes, the sign was pointing to me, but why are you here? You're not here because of the sign, okay? Uh, because you're following the sign, but you are here because you ate the loaves and were filled, okay? What you want is bread. What you want is, is physical bread. You know, and John, John calls these miracles a sign and the people had seen the miracles, okay? They saw these miracles and they wanted the miracle, all right, they missed the fact that this was a sign to show who Jesus was, that Jesus is the son of God. Okay, the point was not that Jesus could feed them. The point was, yes, he could do that because he's God. But the point was, it was, it was a, a sign, you know, to point to him and who he is. And he says here uh, in this verse that we just read, he says, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life which the son of man will give you because God, the father has set his seal on him. He says, hold on, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not here to feed you. Okay. I'm not here to be your king. You know, I'm not here to free you from the Romans. All right. Uh, I'm here to give you something different. Yes, it is a kind of food, but it's not, it's not the food that you're looking for. It's not the physical food. I'm here to give you spiritual food, which endures to everlasting life. I am here to give you everlasting life. And then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? And they're like, oh, okay, that sounds good. Now tell us what, what shall we do? Uh, and he says, uh, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. The work of God is that you, God wants you to believe in me. And then they, they go to him and look at this verse 30. Therefore they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? Okay, so they're back to the back to the hick. Okay, fine. That was yesterday, right? The the, the feeding of the five thousand. What else are you going to do? Give us more. We want more of that, 
right? Give me more of that. We love that. And then, and, and they make it clear what they mean when they say, our fathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. It's what they want. They want the physical manna, right? The manna that 40 years every day it showed up in the morning. And Jesus said to them, most assuredly, assuredly I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven. He goes, that's not the bread I'm talking about. All right, that, that, was, that was bread to fill your, fill your bellies. Uh, but what am I talking about? Okay, that was what Moses gave you. Moses did not give you the bread that I'm giving you. Uh, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. What's he saying? He's saying the real bread is me. It's not that stuff that you ate yesterday. It's not the stuff that was left over and we filled 12 baskets. No, the real bread is me, right? Me, Jesus Christ. They said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. So they're still not getting it. Okay, they, they're thinking, uh, oh, okay. Uh, he's talking about eternal bread and, and all these kind of things. Bread that gives life to the world. Oh, that sounds good. All right, give us this bread. And then Jesus, they still don't get it. And Jesus says to them in verse 35, I am the bread of life. Who, he who comes to me shall never hunger and he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. He's like, you're not believing in me. Okay, you're believing, you're coming after me because you saw the miracles, because you saw what I delivered, because you want that physical stuff, right? All that the father gives me will come to me and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And Jesus is trying to get them to, to understand this sort of paradigm shift. This is the will of the Father who sent me that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life and I will raise him up on the last day. And he says, I have come here to give you a different kind of bread. I have come here to give you the bread of eternal life. I have come here to, I am eternal life. Right? I am the life. I am the bread. Right? You, what you need is me, not, not that stuff that I gave you yesterday. And then he goes on, verse 44, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. And then, and then Jesus, uh, you know, Jesus um, keeps on ratcheting it up. You know, verse 47, he says, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and, and they are dead. He says, you want that manna? Where are they? Okay, that manna didn't sustain them. They all died, right? They all died in the wilderness. They didn't even make it to the promised land. Uh, why are you seeking after that manna? Okay, I want you to seek after me. He who believes in me has everlasting life. What I have is far more valuable than that. Okay, it's far more valuable than any physical bread that I could give you. Verse 50, this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. He says, I'm giving you bread that, you know, bread that is going to give you eternal life and you will not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever and the bread that I shall give. And then he goes on and he starts saying some stuff that is beginning to sound really strange to them, right? This is weird stuff. Look at this. He says, the bread that I shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Now he's not talking about the table here. Okay. He's talking about his life. Okay. Uh, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, and now they're like, okay, wait a minute. You know, this, uh, this sounds uh, totally weird. Okay. This is not what we expected. We came here for, for the miracle. We came here for the bread. 
And they start quarreling among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh? To what is he talking about? He wants us to eat his flesh? Boy, is that gross. You know, boy, is that strange. What is he talking about? What could he possibly be talking about? And Jesus said to them, most, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So what, what is this flesh and blood? This is, this is representing him. Okay, this is representing Christ, right? Uh, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. He's saying this is about a relationship between me and you. Okay, drink, eating my flesh and drinking my blood is about getting into a relationship between me and you where with that relationship you receive eternal life, right? Not physical bread that you eat and it's gone. And then he goes on, as the living father has sent me and I live because of the father. So he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. And these things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. And, uh, and then look at the reaction. Okay. And, and by the way, uh, it talks about the disciples here. These are not the 12, but Jesus, these are just the people that were all following Jesus, right? Who wanted to make him king, right? They were, they were, they were coming after him. And, and many of his disciples, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand? He's like, they're like, you know, in modern parlance, you know, what is this weird stuff this guy is dishing out? Okay, eat his bread, drink his blood. What, what does this mean? Right? Who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascended, ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. And, and he's trying to get them to understand. See, I'm talking about spiritual things. I am not talking here about fleshly things. That They are still thinking about bread and, and, and fish and, and food. Right? The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. And then uh, look at verse 66. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Okay, so here we have... You know, we go all the way from the beginning of the chapter. They want to crown him as a king, right? They want to make him a king. They've seen this miracle. They want to make him a king and they're coming after him because they're like, wow, this guy can solve all our problems. Okay, he's, uh, he's going to feed us. We don't have to work for a living, uh, for food. Um, he's going to give us everything we want. And then he starts talking about all this, this strange stuff, right? And, um, and, and then at the end of it, was, what was the conclusion? They're like, okay, never mind. You know, we, we can't handle this, this, this stuff. Okay, it's, it's way beyond us, right? And, and anyway, this is not what we are looking for. Okay, we want, we want manna. We want, we want bread. We want fish. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. So they were not following Christ because they wanted to submit to his messiahship. They were not following Christ uh, because of a willingness to follow him wherever he, he led. And Jesus said some stuff, right? Luke, 19, uh, Luke 9 and 23, that we all know, if anyone desire to come after me, let him deny himself, right? Take up his cross daily and follow me. So they were following Christ because of their selfishness, okay? Because of their love for themselves. 
they were following Christ because they they had a hope that Christ would be able to meet their felt needs, you know, their need for for peace, their need for prosperity, their need for, for bread. And they wanted to follow the king. They were willing to follow him as long as he was willing to give them all of those things. And as we as we move on today, I want us to to, to think about this. You know, how do we respond to Jesus? You know, how do we, how do you and I respond to Jesus? Usually, you know, when, when we get down to it, it's sort of in the same way, isn't it? Yeah, maybe, maybe we're not asking for food. Maybe sometimes we are. Uh, but we're not motivated by submission to God or to God's will or a burning desire for his glory. You know, we are motivated by our own personal desires and our dreams. And maybe, maybe your dream is a dream of comfort. Maybe uh, it's about a particular lifestyle. Maybe uh, it's to achieve a certain economic level. Maybe uh, it's to have a good marriage, uh, uh, you know, to the right person. Maybe it's to have healthy children. You know, we've, we've heard testimonies of, 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 of some among us who, who found out, you know, children are, uh, you know, that a joyous occasion. And then you find out there's something wrong with this child that's born. And, and, and we, our expectation is that, you know, and we come to it with, well, why is God allowing this to me? Right? We see Christ not as who he is, and we're not seeking Christ for who he is, but rather we seek Christ as the best delivery system for our dreams. Right? He is the one who is going to get us there. You know, you look at, look at uh, you know, Charles, Charles, Charlie and I were, or some of us were just talking about some of the Facebook posts, uh, you know, around the U.S. elections um, from, from some of our own people that we know, believers. You know, they were looking for, for God, for Christ to be the delivery system to, to get a certain person elected. They're all disappointed this morning, but anyway, we're not going to get into political results or anything. Uh, but, but the point is, you know, it's, it's, it, it, and, and there are statements like, you know, um, uh, you know, people praying and, 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 and asking God to, to elect a certain person as if, as if God's agenda, as if Christ's agenda is to decide who's going to be governing. I mean, of course he's sovereign. I know that we all know that, but you know, uh, you think that God has sides in any of these things? You think, you know, and, and Christ was clear. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. He's not here. You know, uh, uh, some of, some of, some of, some Christians, their dream is to, is to, is to build a theocracy on earth. Okay. Uh, a government that functions according to biblical principles. That would be a wonderful thing. And by the way, it's coming one day. Okay. It's coming when the real king returns. But until then, that's not what is planned. That's not his, uh, his plan for this, this age. To, to institute, you know, Christian governments everywhere, uh, living by the, by, the, by, the, by the edicts of the Bible. No, uh, but, but that's what we're looking for, right? That's what we're looking for in a Christian. We see Christ as the best delivery system. We want him to be the piggy bank for our desires, right? And when he doesn't deliver those dreams, then we become disillusioned, right? You know, how, how can we tell if this is where we are? How can we tell if this is, if, if, you know, am I following Christ for the right reasons or for the wrong reasons? When we become discouraged and discontented and start grumbling when he does not give us what we want. Is that the situation you're in where, where you are discontented, you are grumbling, you are unhappy? You know, because, uh, I don't know, I'll just make up a few examples here. Because, you know, I've reached a certain age and God hasn't brought me a spouse 
uh, or uh, I've got this health issue and God is not curing me. Okay, Jesus is not curing me or I've been out of a job for the last six months and God has not made any provision for me. You know, when we, we can even see this when we, in the way we respond to prayer requests. And look, I know everybody means well and everything, but, but somebody, you know, somebody puts a prayer request out and then the prayer gets answered and we're like, oh, praise God, praise God, wonderful. Our God is a healer. Our God is a, is a Jehovah Rapha. By the way, this is all great. Okay, I'm not condemning any of that. Okay, but what if he doesn't heal you? Is he still Jehovah Rapha? Is he still Jehovah Jireh? What if he chooses not to give you what you wanted? Is he still the provider? I think that tells us, you know, why are we following the king? You know, what are, what are we looking for? And uh, whose dreams are we really pursuing? And this pursuit of physical bread, I'm, I'm running short on time, so let me go fast. Uh, you know, throughout scripture, we see the struggle of physical bread versus spiritual bread, right? It's the core struggle of the Christian life. It's the core struggle of human life and Satan is right in the middle trying to tempt us. We know that he tempted the Lord Jesus Christ. What did he offer the Lord Jesus Christ? Right? He offered him food, turn the stone to bread, right? He offered him power, you know, cast yourself down. He offered him possessions. He says all the kingdoms of the world, you know, will be yours. And you know, our culture and media are constantly trying to convince us that life is all about physical bread. Right, and this 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 attitude permeates Christianity or Christendom. I remember uh, a few a few years ago there was this, there was a guy uh, associated with a very well known ministry. I won't name the ministry, uh, but he came to my office. You know, he got some word that you know there's this guy George Mutterkul. He's an executive in IT company. You know, I'm going to go and see him, and he says I want to come and meet with you and talk to you about something. And he came to me, and he and he were, he was talking to me about a. A very exclusive session okay and uh, and he says exclusive session it's only for the the cream of the crop among christian executives you know and uh, it's going to be at and, and then he says it's going to be at the jw marriott and i know what jw marriott is that meetings there a nice posh hotel uh, and it's three days and 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 you will get to interact with people who are at your level and he's telling me all the stuff and you know to make me feel like wow you, you really need to be there because, you know, this is it. You know, this is the cream of the crop. Don't you want to be part of the cream of the crop of Christian executives? I mean, and these are, by the way, these are not, these are people at your level. You'll be able to converse with them. You will be able to um, talk to them and, and interact with them. And we are doing this for the kingdom. And, and by the way, it's so many tens of thousands of rupees. But anyway, um, you know, and, and honestly, as I listened to this guy, I was so disgusted. You know, you know, you think that matters in the kingdom of God that I'm an executive in an IT company? I mean, you know, I remember a few months ago I was I was meeting with those believers in in a in a little village in Karnataka in a in a pandal with cows nearby and stink of cows and and these poor believers. I mean, you know, you think when I go up to heaven, when we go to heaven, that you know, I bet those people have got much greater position there than I will. You know, uh, in the kingdom of God. I am no greater than, than that, that, that most humble of believers, right? What, what, what is it that we are looking for? But this is permeating Christianity. You know, we want to feel important. We want to feel, you know, important, whether it's because I've got this degree or that degree, or I'm a doctor or I'm a uh, theologian or whatever. You know, we, we've, we've incorporated worldly ways of looking at things into our own ecosystem, right? 
And this is, you know, I believe the work of Satan. First John 2.50 says, do not love the world or the things in the world for, for, you know, if you love the world, it says the love of God is not in you. That's, that's not what, you know, you look at the parable of the rich fool, right? He says, fool, this night your soul will be taken from you. And then whose will all of these be? And there are four lies I want to talk about, subtle lies that Satan puts in our way. And I don't have time to look at all the verses, but first lie is that physical bread is permanent, right? Physical bread is permanent. And, and you look at, and you think we don't believe this. We'll say, yeah, yeah of course it's not, you know, but, but you look at the amount of money we want to accumulate. You look at the amount of property. I mean, how many, I don't know if any of you, you all are all young, but, but, but maybe some of your relatives, some of your parents, even I'm not condemning anybody, but you know, how many houses do they have? You know, how many properties do they own? You know, one here, one there, one in Bangalore, one in Kerala, one in, uh, you know, wherever, right? Physical bread is permanent. That's a lie of Satan. You know, what does, he, what does the Lord say in First John 2, 17? The world and its desires, they pass away. This is all. He's going to destroy this world. It says by fire. Okay, go look in First Peter. You know, it says in Second Corinthians 4, 16, outwardly we are wasting away. What we see outside is, is, is deteriorating. Luke 12, 33, lay up treasures for yourself in heaven. The first life, physical bread is permanent. It is not. Second life, physical bread is the only bread. Okay, deifying the creation, elevating it above uh, the creator. All right, we forsake the pursuit of God for the pursuit of personal possessions. You know, we, we, we live our lives only in the pursuit. Why am I, why am I, uh, getting an education so that I can get a job, so that I can put food on the table, so that I can do all of these things, right? So that I can live a comfortable life. You know, I'm not saying don't get an education or don't get a job or don't put food on the table. Uh, of course you should, but, but that's, that's the pursuit, right? Because the lie that we buy into is that physical bread is the only kind of bread that we, and that's what Jesus, that's what these people wanted in John 6. And Jesus was telling them, hold on. It's not the physical bread. It's a spiritual bread. It's me. You need to seek me. You need to be in a relationship with me. Okay. The, the, the third lie is that human success is defined by the amount of physical bread that we possess. I think you all understand that, right? Uh, you know, gaining the world. He says, if you gain the world and lose your soul, right? You know, he says, beware of covetousness. And the fourth lie is that life is only found in physical bread. You know, life is only found in physical bread. And that's where uh, the Lord says in John chapter 4, if you drink of this water, you will thirst again. You know, the worldly bread does not fill you. The worldly bread makes you hungry again. The worldly water, uh, you will thirst again. You know, he who drinks of this water will thirst again. So let me just wrap up here. So whose dream are you living? Christ's dream or your dream? Am I living Christ's dream or am I living my dream? What, what do I want from Christ? Consider each of our lives, our marriage, our job, our children, our friends, our home, our church. What is your dream? Is it just your definition of paradise? Is it my definition of paradise? Are you struggling with discontent and with what God has given you? And let me just quickly go to one passage in 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse uh, here, he talks about you know, the past and the, uh, the past and the future, 
as well as the present of our salvation. Okay, so so in First Peter chapter one, uh, very quickly he says, uh, uh, "Blessed be the verse verse uh, three. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to His abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Okay, he's saying here, look, you are people without hope, right? That's your past, right? But what is your future? Your future is this, right? That you have been begotten to a living hope. Your future is that, uh, is that you will have an inheritance that is incorruptible and undefiled and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. So, yes, you're going to get all these things, but not today, all right? That's not what today is about. That's not what the present is about. This is what, you know, if you trust in Christ, this is what's waiting for you. It's a sure reward, right? And then he goes on that who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed. He said, your salvation is going to be consummated at the, at the last time. And then he goes on, it says, in this you greatly rejoice. Now, what is the this? What is the this? What are you supposed to rejoice in? What am I supposed to rejoice in? I'm supposed to rejoice that, that God has begotten us by his abundant mercy. I'm supposed to rejoice that uh, I have an inheritance. I'm supposed to rejoice that this inheritance is incorruptible and undefiled. I'm supposed to rejoice that this inheritance is not going to fade away and it's reserved. Okay, it's got your name on it. Reservation. Okay, it's reserved for you. In this you greatly rejoice. In what I just talked about. Though... Though now for a little while, okay, our life on this earth is a little while compared to eternity. If need be, okay, not everybody, but if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness, why? Okay, in this life, you're going to have trials. Why? So that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He says, you're going to go through trials. And the purpose of those trials, you know, is what? So that uh, your faith might be strengthened, right? The genuineness of your faith uh, would, would come forth, tested by fire, and you may be found to praise, honor, and glory. When you go through the difficulties in life, and, 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 and you are able to come through it with joy, with gladness, with hope, you know, God is glorified. So what are we doing today? Are we consuming the physical bread that God gives without any desire for his spiritual blessings? You know, these, yes, God blesses us physically. Okay, but those are the signs that he's pointing to say, you know what, I've blessed you with this, but what do we do? We forget him. You know, he says, when I bless you with a job, when I bless you with a, a good spouse, when I bless you with a healthy marriage, when I bless you with children, okay, some people... Uh, you know, among us, some, some brothers and sisters among us have been praying for years to have children and then God gives them what a great blessing. But the purpose of that blessing is a sign that points to the Lord. It's, it's meant to take us closer to him. It's meant to deepen our relationship with him. It's meant to remind us of his blessing so that when we go through those dry times, when we go through those difficult times, uh, we can turn back and lean on him. You know, many of us are excited about Christ only because we think he's going to deliver for us. He's going to deliver. He's going to make it happen. He's going to give us more physical bread. And when he removes that physical bread, then we get into spiritual depression and problems and this and that. So ask ourselves, what bread am I seeking? Okay, when we pursue the wrong bread, we have disillusionment. 
and, and we see here, many of the disciples, they left him. They're like, man, we can't handle this. You know, we want, we want the bread. We want the manna, right? God did not send his son so that we could realize our agenda, but so that we could become part of his agenda. Are you part of his agenda? What is his agenda? Go into all the world and make disciples of all men, teaching them, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to, to obey my commandments. That's his agenda. How are you a part of that agenda? Whatever it is your calling in life is, you know, that agenda doesn't change. In the face of, you know, we, we read from Habakkuk a few weeks ago when I spoke, you know, in the face of, of all that decimation, he says, I will rejoice because God is my savior. Okay, we need to seek Christ. We need to find satisfaction in Christ, not in the stuff that Christ does for us or doesn't do for us. If he does it for us, it just ought to bring us closer to him. May we be people who hunger, not for earthly bread, but for fellowship, for love and for obedience to our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you, Father, that, that your word tells us exactly, Lord, what you desire from us. And I just want to pray for everyone, Lord, in this uh, congregation. I, I pray, Lord, that you will help us all to examine, Father, who, why are we following you? What is it that we want from you, Lord? Are we wanting things from you or are we wanting you? I pray, Father, that you will help us to come to maturity, Lord, in Christ. I pray that you will help us, Father, to, to uh, look on the trials and the tribulations and the problems of this life uh, uh, and deal with them with joy and thankfulness and, and find pleasure and satisfaction in Christ and in those wonderful things that you have in store for us in eternity, Father. I pray, Lord, that you will speak to our hearts this morning. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.